There's a lot of work that went into the Lord redeeming us, and we have a whole book that tells us about it, and we've been concentrating specifically about when Jesus became flesh and came to earth. So let's pray, and then we're going to dip back into our, our uh, Life of Christ series about Jesus. So, Father, we come and we ask this morning that you would teach us. Lord, I pray that you would guide my mind and my heart and my lips to speak only what you've ordained. For all of us, Lord, I pray that our hearts would be open to the work of the Spirit and the work that the Word can do in us. Lord, we pray that it would be our authority in the ways in which we know you and respond to you and walk with you. And so would you guide us this morning as we enter your Word. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. We've been looking at the life of Christ, and last week it was Christmas in July. Jesus was born according to the prophecies and all of God's plan, and, and uh, Jesus grew up. He didn't stay a baby. He grew up, and um, man, I just keep thinking about that more and more from my own life, just growing up. I'm getting old. I don't know if any of you have noticed, but I'm getting old. 41, almost 42 years old. I had a, an eight-year-old uh, daughter have a birthday just the other week, and I'm just like, I'm getting old, and it, it's almost 20 years ago. But I remember graduating from college. Next year, it'll be uh, in the spring, it'll be 20 years. And I remember a graduation day, um, you know, we had spent four years together in the dorms and studying and running around Chicago. And graduation day came and everybody's parents came. We were from all over the country, but our parents came and we were in the city. And I remember we, we gathered in the auditorium and one by one, we walked across the stage and, and we received our diplomas. They were pieces of paper uh, that said we had completed what we needed to. And I remember that day we, we all went out afterwards and we got lunch at, uh, with our parents and families and we celebrated. I, I remember a picture of me and a couple of buddies sitting on the back of one of their cars. And you know, for us that day, it just seemed like every other day that it happened for the last four years. But I don't think we realized that once we had gotten those diplomas and once, once we had smiled and said goodbye, that we were entering into a new era of our life, that we were never going to have those four years of college again. We were never going to have times where we just bummed off our parents at home. We were, or, or, or actually, I've done that since sometimes. But anyway, um, you know, there was, we were moving on to something new. And, and that happened with Jesus, too. He, he was born, and we have these stories about his childhood, but it was all moving him forward as he grows and gets to the moments of ministry that God, uh, the Father, was bringing him to. And so even though he had grown up and he was he, was, uh, he went to trade school, which essentially meant he learned how to be a carpenter from his dad. So they're probably out in the back shed, learning to make tables, building houses. He had done that for 30 years. And yet there came this moment, because God had prepared him not to just build cabinets, that it was time for him to enter into a public ministry. And so that's what we're going to look at today, is this transition from his early life into um, him bringing the kingdom of God near to people in his ministry. And so... This morning, what I'd like you to do is turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 3. Luke chapter 3. And while you are turning there, I'm going to read quickly from Isaiah 61. So turn to Luke 3, but I'm going to be reading from Isaiah 61 just to give us a, a, a reference. The prophets, God told us, had all spoken about Jesus. They were preparing people's hearts. They were saying, he's coming. God for sure is bringing the Messiah. And so in Isaiah 61, it gives a little bit of, of what that would look like. And it says this. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And so 
hundreds of years. This is about 600 years before Jesus. Isaiah and others were already prophesying that the servant Messiah would come and that he'd be anointed by God for the ministry that he was given to do. And so we're going to look at that. We're going to look at when Jesus was anointed, when it was called upon him for go out into this ministry. And so we are at Luke chapter 3. His cousin, John the Baptist, who many of us have heard about, he had been baptizing people, which was preparing people for when they would come in contact with Jesus. They were preparing their hearts for the repentance of sins being forgiven as they come into contact with Jesus. And so now we come to chapter 3, verse 21. It says, Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus had also been baptized and was praying, the heavens were opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove and a voice came from heaven you are my beloved son with you i am well pleased what an amazing situation here they're out in the wilderness jesus has been baptized he has been dunked in the water by his cousin he comes up out of there Um, he didn't need to repent he didn't need forgiveness what was happening was the lord was giving an outward sign that he is now transitioning it was like his walking across the stage and getting his diploma to go into the next season of his life. This was the moment when he transitioned from just being a carpenter into being the Jesus of Nazareth who went out and did ministry and went to the cross. This is, this is the moment when God said, okay, it's time. And so it says in that moment when Jesus came out that the Holy Spirit in bodily form came down. The witness says that it looked like a dove and it came upon Jesus and a voice, the voice of the father says, this is my son. You are my son with you. I'm well pleased. And everybody there heard it. It's one of these magnificent moments in the scriptures when you have Father, Son, and Spirit, the entire Trinity right there seen in the moment. And yet this was fulfilling what Isaiah and the prophets had said. This one would be anointed. He'd be set apart for what God had called him to do. In the Old Testament, when they talk about anointing, which is where we get the words Christ and Messiah from, In the Old Testament, when they would anoint people, they would anoint people for certain service. They were set apart for certain service. This would take place with the kings, and this would take place with priests. And so what they would do is a prophet usually would come uh, and and anoint the king or the priest. And there's actually a description in the book of Psalms about Aaron, the very first priest who is being anointed. And it says the oil is poured over his head. Now, some of you have witnessed maybe at a service at a church, somebody who's anointed with oil. And usually what happens is they dab a little bit of oil on the finger and just kind of touch it to the head. That's anointing with oil. But this in the Old Testament, it was being poured over with oil more. (laughs) You know, they would actually take it out of what looked like a horn. It was a horn. And they would pour it over the head. And the description in the Psalms over Aaron was that it, it ran down his head into his beard and then onto the collar of his priestly garments. And, and he was just drenched. He was drenched in it, which is really neat because the oil throughout Scripture is not just something that's good on food and they need it to, to be a symbol. It always represented the Spirit of God. And so when this person is being set apart, it's like God's Spirit is, is going to come and assist you with the job that you've been getting, given to do. You're set apart in this time to do what God has tasked you with doing. He'll be with you. And so Aaron was anointed as a priest kings like david were anointed as kings and now you have the king of kings and the lord of lords you had the our high priest who is being anointed by the holy spirit as he's baptized in that moment and he's set apart and god says there's no other one like him this is my son and with him i am well pleased and so jesus goes from that place and instead of immediately going out and doing ministry 
It says that the Spirit of God, now having anointed Jesus, leads him into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. Before Jesus ever went and preached a sermon, before he ever went and laid his hands on a blind man's eyes, he went and was in the wilderness where his humanity was completely tempted by the devil. And every time he was tempted, Jesus resisted and maintained his integrity so he could go on and complete his task. It also says in the scripture that he was tempted so that he could return and help us when we are tempted. And so the temptation happens and he comes up out of the desert. And we're going to pick up the story again in chapter four of Luke, starting in verse 14. This is after Jesus is tempted. It says, and Jesus returned in the power of the spirit. So he still bears that anointing. He's still being led and says he goes to Galilee. And a report about him went out throughout all the surrounding country. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. So his ministry begins. He's in the northern area of of Israel and he's teaching and he's in the synagogues and, and he's being glorified by all. But then he gets to 16. He goes to his hometown. It says, and he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it is written. Now, this is what we read to begin with in Isaiah 61. He says, he reads, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering the sight to the blind and to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And Jesus began to say to them, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And they said, is this not Joseph's son? And so here he is among people that he knows. He had been to this synagogue before People know Jesus. He goes and gets the scroll and says. This is what it reads. The spirit of God has anointed me. I'm the one that you've been waiting for. And he hands back the scroll after saying that he was going to be the one that would proclaim the good news. That he was going to be the one to set the captives free. That he was going to be the one to help the blind. That he was going to be the one to help. And suddenly all the eyes are glued on him. Well, what's he going to do? Isn't this. Joseph's son isn't the guy who 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 built us our bookcase. We know this guy. What's what's he going to do? What goes on and Jesus kind of gives a penetrating little talk here. It says in 23 and he said to them, "Uh, doubtless, you will quote to me this proverb physician, heal yourself. Well, we've heard you do at Capernaum do here in your hometown as well. So they're like, "Um, don't you need help, too? You're just like one of us. But Jesus goes on in 24 and says he said to them, truly. I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. But in truth, I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heavens were shut up three years and six months and a great famine came over all land. And Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon, which was a foreign land and a foreign woman, to a woman who was a widow. And there were many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, And none of them was cleansed, but only Naaman, the Syrian. 
So Jesus says to them, hey, I'm here, but you're not going to accept it. You're not going to accept the fact that I'm the one that you need. Because I helped build your dresser, you think all I can do is work with wood and nails. But I have come so that I would bear the wood and nails. And I have come to help you. I've come to proclaim to you, but you're not going to accept it. Because you know me. You think I'm just just little Jesus Josephson, which is what they probably would have, you know, that's the English translation of that. He says back in the day, sometimes God would have to send the prophets to foreigners and they would accept his help. He would heal people. He would provide for the widow. But yet the Israelites were not ready to accept the Lord's help. And you, Nazareth, you're not going to accept my help. Well, when they heard this, they were not very happy with him. It says in verse 28, when they heard these things, all in the synagogue were filled with wrath. And they rose up and drove Jesus out of the town and brought him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built so that they could throw him down the cliff. But passing through their midst, he went away. He gets, he gets his hometown so stirred up that they're like, that's it, we're going to kill you, buddy. Uh, it wasn't because the warranty was bad on the furniture. It was because he stood up and said, you are going to deny God. You're going to deny his anointed servant. You are going to reject me. And they were so disconnected from God that they, they ran at the one that got anointed and drug him out to the hill to toss him off. And somehow Jesus, I don't know how it is, like parting the Red Sea, it says he just walked through their midst and went on. And you know what he did? He left that place. And it says he went on to other towns and other places throughout Israel. And he would go and then he did heal the blind. He did begin to go proclaim. He preached the good news and people were astounded by the authority with he with which he preached, they would leave their job and they would leave their their home and they would go for days and sit on the side of a mountain just to hear him speak. And he would get close to them. He would enter into their lives and he would communicate with them in ways that they could understand. And he got right into their soul and he helped people. That's what the word ministry is. He was he was helping people. In fact, the word that's used for serving and for ministry in the scripture is the word deacon. and, and, and so that's what he was. He was helping. He was serving. He was he was assisting people because that's what God had anointed him to do. Jesus proclaimed the good news. Jesus heal. Jesus save. That's what Isaiah said he would do. And Jesus was going to go do it. And so he begins to do these things. And what happens is as people are helped they are, they are helped and their, their, their body is made well. And maybe sometimes demons were cast out. And sometimes they had bread that was broken and given to them, even though they hadn't brought a lunch. And they witnessed Jesus do amazing things in the physical realm, but he was calling them change spiritually. He was taking them to a place where they would witness him on a cross. And the, the reality was, would they reject him or accept him? Jesus was anointed to go through this ministry and his ministry would would be weaving in and serving people in their lives in this ministry and ultimately taking them to a place where he would remove their sin and put it on himself and die in their place so that he could give them righteousness. That was the ministry of Jesus. And so he begins this ministry. And one of the first things that he does in the midst of this ministry, even though he is the one going and healing the blind and the leper even though he is the one who is doing the preaching, it says that he goes and he called to himself disciples who would walk alongside him through his ministry. 
and they would learn how to minister. They would become the apprentices and they would learn what it was to be in the kingdom of God that his kingdom would come and take over their life so they would have to give up their fishing business and their, their tax collection and their own sinful desires. And they would have to leave those things. They'd have to walk with Jesus and go minister with Jesus because Jesus wasn't going to be physically on earth forever. It was 33 years. He died, he resurrected, he ascended back to the throne room. Scripture says that those men and those women who followed Jesus after he had ascended, they went back to the upper room. And while they prayed, while they waited, then also came the promise that Jesus and the scriptures had given. And that was that while the people had been changed, while they had been helped by Jesus's ministry, that they too would be anointed by the Holy Spirit and they would be called into the ministry of helping people go and see Jesus, the redeemed. Friends, if, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if, if he has done the reconciliation in your heart and changed you from a person who was a, a sinful, walking dead man, and he's changed you into being one who lives in his kingdom and follows him as a disciple, then you, my friend, have been anointed by the Spirit of God. Every one of you to do ministry. You might think, well, like you want me to come up there and preach right now? No, I'm not saying that. But if, if you are a Christian and you're following Jesus, just like all those disciples who were in the upper room and they were anointed into what the scripture saw, say, a royal priesthood. Remember, the priests were anointed and the kings were anointed. We, as the people of God, are called a royal priesthood. You have been anointed to go do ministry. You're, you are to help. You are to, to love and to proclaim. In Jesus' name. And there's never a moment in the kingdom of God when somebody who was a part of that kingdom as a child of God, as a, as a brother or sister of Jesus, may say, yeah, but I've got an exception. My, my hometown's not going to listen. My, my school is not going to listen. My family and my friends, they're not going to listen. You know why Jesus happened with him? If you were part of his family, you were part of the ministry. And he has incredible things for you to do, to go proclaim Jesus, to pray for healing over people, and to bring them the good news of the gospel. He has incredible ways that he wants to use you in the lives of other people so that they can come closer to Jesus. The reason, mostly, that we come to church is to worship Jesus and to train up in him so that we can all be sent out to go minister for Jesus wherever he plops you. This last week, I went up to visit Miss Judy. And I come to Chapel Hill, and I, I don't, I don't, that's one of the, the uh, places I don't visit as often. It's so far away, and not many of you go there very often. So I don't know the hospital that well. I always have to step in to the information booth and get another map and all that stuff. So I walk up to the, to the desk and there's this guy sitting on the other side of the desk who's handling phone calls and people's questions and it's finally my turn. And so I step up and I say, I, I, I'm looking for the room number of a friend of mine who's here. Her name is Miss Judy Keene. And he looks at me without looking at anything else. He looks at me and he says, I know you. I'm like, well, I, well, I'm, I probably look like somebody I said, like, I don't come up here that often. You know, our, our people are usually at other hospitals. It's, you know, once in a while. I think the last time was with Greg 
that I was up there. And so, I, you know, I, I don't think that you know me. He says, he says, no, your name, you're Pastor Jason. And I was like, whoa, like you have like some incredible photographic memory or the Lord by his spirit has put that on you because I don't know how you would know me. And he says, I just want to tell you that you what you do is incredible, like visiting people and the ministry that you got to do in the midst of people's lives and all the ways in which you're dealing with that. He's like, your ministry is amazing. And I said to him, and I don't know this guy at all. I said to him, I said, your ministry is amazing too. how you help people here every day at this desk and how everybody, even myself come and we're lost and, and we come to you for help. And he goes, well, now I don't, I don't, I don't mean to rub you the wrong way and, and, and tell you that you're wrong. But, and I, I thought he was going to tell me that he wasn't a believer because I don't know this guy. That was just a... But what he said was, I'm just a guy sitting at a desk. I said, you're, you're not just a guy sitting at a desk. I said, I said, the Lord uses you here every day to help people. And he said, well, I mean, I've been at this hospital and through seven different times, they, this hospital has helped to save my life. And I'm, I'm glad that I could come now back to this hospital and, and help people see where they have to go. But he's like, I don't do it. I, you're the minister, he said. And I leaned in real close to this guy and I said, buddy. I said, we together are brothers in Christ. And if we're brothers, then we're both ministers. And you ministered to me today. You have, you have helped me to do what God has asked me to do. And I was like, the four hours you sit here every day, you are coming to a job. You are coming for ministry. We are together. Let's have an excuse to say we're not in ministry. He may put you at a desk. He may send you to the third grade this year. I don't know what he's going to do in you, but he is, he is sending you there maybe for a paycheck or maybe to get an education or maybe to, to help your kids at home. But he has put you in that place to help people come into contact with the good news of Jesus because in Jesus, there is the proclamation of captives who have been set free and that message is not fulfilled in any other news on this planet. There is no other way that somebody will go from being dead to being alive than coming into contact with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the one who was anointed as the servant of God. And if he has come and done that ministry in your heart through somebody special like a Billy or a Judy or a Danny or whoever who has ministered to you, then you have been brought close to Jesus. And now it's your turn. And your ministry is the opportunity to take people from not knowing life and to introducing them to the one who walked this earth, who created life. For us. You get to do that. I love that. I love the ways in which you are gifted and anointed to minister to me and my family. I appreciate that so much when you do that. I love the way that that as I on a Sunday morning, I can come in and I can hear the conversations about where the Lord's had you through the week. And I love hearing the ways in which you have been ministering and proclaiming Jesus's freedom to people through the gospel and helping with hands in the food bank or or with the the, the fundraisers for people who are in need. And, and God is using those as a way not to just help our physical needs, but to come and bring the good news of Jesus and to bring us life everlasting. I love that. You know, a lot of times we talk about conversion. And there's this song that goes along at times with with uh, altar calls that is called just as I am. We always say, oh, when I need to be saved, it's just as I am. I, I'm going to lay that down for the sake of being saved. But 
um, we're actually going to have Tim come and sing that for us. And while he's singing, I want you to, to have that for that. Have that for that moment of saying, like, just as I am, I'm laying it down and Jesus will save me. I don't need to clean up before I get there. But I also want you to put it into the perspective of just as I am, I'm putting my life right there so I can be used for ministry. It's not just about for when we're saved. It's for when we get to 30 or whenever. And the Lord says, now I want you to go just like Jesus. Just as I am, if I've got these carpenter hands, or I've got these farming hands, or I've got these, these sewing hands, or I've got these soft motherly hands, uh, whatever you've got to give, just as I am, Jesus, I come and I give my life to help. I give my help, life to help for the kingdom that people might know this one who loved us and saved us. Because one day he's coming back. And it, going on in Isaiah 61... It talks that he's anointed to return and he's coming with vengeance and he will destroy his enemies and he will retrieve his people. Until that time, we have been given the opportunity to minister, to work, to help so that people on that day would know Jesus and go home with him. So I'm going to invite Tim up to come and sing. And as he does, yeah, reflect on those moments when the Lord has brought you to faith. And if you don't know Jesus, maybe, maybe this is an opportunity. You've just been, been pulled by the Holy Spirit. Then maybe today is the day that you just need to say, I submit and I repent and I want to walk with Jesus. And if you've known Jesus, then today also is your day to say, just as I am, Lord, place me into ministry. Wherever you take my feet and whatever you give my hand to do, whatever, whatever person you put in front of me, use my voice. And, or my listening ear and the opportunity in that relationship to help serve that person towards Jesus. Lord, show me my ministry. So this morning as he sings, just submit yourself to the Lord and, and you're welcome if you want to come and pray in the front. You're welcome to pray where you're at. You're welcome to come pray with me or with a deacon or a friend. But go to the Lord just as you are.